Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Change Book Radio Show with your host, work-life balance expert, Deb Crow. Join Deb every week as she interviews the co-authors and experts from all over the globe. They'll share their insights into self-empowerment with their personal stories and real-life experiences that will help you on your own personal development and touch every area of your life. Join Deb every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Eastern. Well, good afternoon and welcome. It's Deb Crow on this sunny, sunny Wednesday afternoon from Canada. It's May 16th. And thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. I want to start by thanking our May 2018 sponsor. It's the Hope After Brain Injury Network. And what I wanted to tell you today is that this network has an all-inclusive approach. In January of this year, they decided to widen their circle. They wanted to drop the acronym of TBI, also known as Traumatic Brain Injury, from the name of the magazine, as well as from the name of the Facebook page, and essentially rebrand as HOPE after brain injury. Their mission is to advocate, educate, and serve all affected by brain injury. All means all. The widening of who they serve can help a wide range of survivors. So check them out at tbihopeandinspiration.com and there is just a ton of resources. So if you know someone with a brain injury, whether it be from a car accident, a stroke, an aneurysm, it doesn't matter. It's all about inclusion. So my guest today is Sandy Cohen and I'm quite excited because she is one of the co-authors in book five that I was in and Sandy is Uh, Let me tell you, this woman has so many things that she has done. I'm so excited to interview her. She is a best-selling author. She's an international speaker. And this lady has an international following. She is a woman of influence. What I love about her is she lives by her mantra, no one left behind. She resides in a prestigious Nevada community with her husband, Ed. And she is committed to guiding others to achieve financial and spiritual success and achieve peace of mind so that they can live life as it should be. So Sandy, welcome to the Change Book Radio Show. Oh, Deb, thanks so much. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you and we have finally connected. We've been cyber sisters for three years now and we finally get to hear each other's voice. So it's very exciting for me. Well, it's amazing how fast time flies, that's for sure. And, and Deb, let me just say thank you to, to you and all that you do to making a difference and helping people change for the positive. Well, it's my honor. And, you know, I started this show two and a half years ago, and I can still say today, and I, and I know that you agree with me on this, I do believe that Jim Britt and Jim Lutz's vision of creating a global community has more than come to fruition. And I do believe in my heart that we are a diverse, eclectic group of people, but our common thread is that we truly are change makers and want to make a difference in this world. And I'm excited to talk to you about your chapter called Sliding Doors from Book Five. And and let's just jump in and do that. 
so I reread your chapter because I read it almost three years ago and I love the metaphor of sliding doors and how it's been the progression in your life. But share with our listeners because you started your chapter that you were in your early 50s, $450,000 in debt, professional careers. You were a teacher. Ed was a pharmacist. And then you had a sliding door. So give us a little glimpse into your world at that time and how you turn things around. You know, Deb, um, it's so interesting in looking back all those, you know, decades ago and looking at what had happened. And life is about choices. And sometimes we make the right choice and sometimes we don't make the right choice but uh, ed is now a retired pharmacist but back then uh, he had five pharmacies in philadelphia where we're from and in 1978 i started a medical and surgical supply division in the front of one of his stores that we built to a multi-million dollar business in three years my specialty was pediatrics, helping families with children with special needs as what's dear and near to your heart, that's for sure. Uh, We worked very closely with Senator John Hines on the Committee for Aging, actually got state laws changed for children with special needs. Um, My focus was really probably children with spina bifida, cerebral palsy, cancer, near drowning, I mean, a very, very stressful, emotional business. But, Deb, we we just loved what we did uh, in spite of the tremendous overhead. Uh, If you've ever, if anybody listening has ever been in traditional business, they understand the drill of salaries and, you know, uh, inventory and receivables and payables. And we got to a point in 1986 where we had the opportunity to sell the business. And because of the stress, we decided timing was right because the whole industry of healthcare was starting to change dramatically. And I'd say about 80 to 90% of our business was third-party payers. So we decided to sell to a group of private investors who very quickly defaulted even actually uh, within probably seven months um, after we started the litigation, they went out of business. And I'll never forget one of the biggest litigation firms in Philadelphia, the head legal counsel said to me, Sandy, are you sure you want to pursue this lawsuit? Because even if you win... There's no guarantee you'll be paid, and it could cost you your health. It could cost you your marriage. And, Deb, all I could see was fire, and I said, we're going to get these guys. And it took us seven years to get our day in court. Um, We even went so far as picking a jury, and after the jury was selected, the judge stood up on his podium or whatever that's called and he threw a stack of books on the floor i mean shocking everybody in the courtroom and and he said counsel in my chambers now 
and they came out about 45 minutes later. Now, understand, they went out of business uh, within the year after the litigation started. So why do people set up a corporation to protect themselves? But he said, I am not going to go through a lengthy, very difficult trial because most people will never understand the complicated business model that this was because it was extremely cash intensive. In fact, they even took a million dollars of our receivables that were due us, and he forced the settlement. But as my attorney said, you know, no one ever said the law was fair. The, the settlement was so small that the only winners were really the attorneys. So we were dead right dead broke, and $450,000 in debt at the age of 52. And, of course, to make matters worse, my mother took sick with Alzheimer's, and I vowed I'd never put a parent in a nursing home, so he, we brought her to live with us in this little tiny apartment because we moved from Philly uh, out west because I said to Ed, if I had to start my life over, at least I wanted to see the sunshine every day. And we lost everything, Deb, the 10,000-square-foot house, the Rolls-Royce, the stretch limo, everything just gone. And that was the beginning of a new chapter in our life. I mean, here I was, 52. What do you do? How do you regain any sense of normalcy we you know i don't care what you call normal but you know living paycheck to paycheck with ed now working as a pharmacist for others and myself as a caregiver for my mom at home it was extremely challenging and i think if i look back what was the turning point for me personally was someone introduced me to esther and jerry hicks the law of attraction, the law of allowing. And I became an avid, avid student of the power of positive thinking. But positive thinking, as we know, Deb, is not enough. It's what actions and activities are you doing on a daily basis to accomplish whatever goals you set out to achieve. And originally my goal was not to create millions of dollars. That was not the intention. It was what we called peace of mind. We just wanted to know that when we got up every morning and our feet would hit the floor, that we were going to be okay. I didn't need the Rolls Royce anymore. I didn't need the 10,000-square-foot home. I just wanted to be healthy, and I just wanted to feel joy and gratitude, and it was so difficult. And um, the long and short of it is uh, we got into the profession of network marketing, and it was totally different than traditional business because I couldn't hire and fire people if they didn't do what they said they could or would do. So it was all about helping others find their passion and their purpose, and locking arms, and together uh, we have been able to create over 40 millionaires um, through our association with like-minded people. So that really began 
that journey and brought us to where we are today. Well, I think the first thing I want to talk about um, from your story is just the level of compassion fatigue that you would have had just with all the different populations you were working with. And and I so relate because we've had similar backgrounds uh, medically and just the boundary management that you have to have and then the pressure of the overhead. But if I asked you if you'd change it all and go back to the 10,000 square foot house and really want the limo and the car back, would you change anything when you really found the foundation of your grit? You know, it's interesting because, you know, we were just in Philadelphia for Mother's Day weekend and, you know, we we met with family and with friends and somebody asked the same question, you know, if you could turn back the clock, what would you change? And, you know, hindsight is great, but the reality is, all of that pain, all of that struggle gave us an awareness of how people live and continue to live. And, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, I feel so bad because you've had to file a bankruptcy or you've lost a parent. But until you've gone through it, you can't understand the severity of that pain and Looking back, would I change it? Probably not, because out of change and crisis can come some wonderful things if you're willing to work through it. In fact, there's a book that someone gifted me 25 years ago called The Road Less Traveled by Dr. M. Scott Peck. And the first three words in the book, the first three words are life is difficult but when you understand that there are options and choices that you can make to come out even better that's how we feel today because yes we impacted so many lives in philly and jersey and delaware but compared to the lives that we touch now globally pale in comparison so Yes, we had to go through the pain to come out, I think, so much better off because every day we wake up and feel so good about who we've locked arms with, who who wants to have better options and better choices, not just for their health because you've heard the saying, health is wealth, and I don't know who said it, but it is so true. But once you know you are healthy, you can accomplish anything if you know what you want and surround yourself with people who can help shortcut your success. So are we glad we are where we are? Absolutely. I wouldn't change it, I think, for anything. Well, and I I love the cliche, health is wealth, and I'm a big proponent that we need to move every day and and aging truly is a gift and I don't know if you know but I volunteer once a week at hospice and I just find that that feeds my soul and it resets me on a cognitive level it resets me on a metacognitive level and how I think about what I'm thinking and I truly believe reading your story and 
Um, I love the title of sliding doors. I love the metaphor that it's just another door that you've slid open and, and walked through, but you know, would you and Ed have been where you are today without being that pharmacist, without being that teacher and starting the path? Like you had mentioned before we went live, when you were in high school, you had two choices. Do you want to be a nurse or a teacher? There was no other expectation for that generation. And I'm just the next generation after you when I was born. And it's still interesting because when we graduated, it was like, okay, go to university, get your degree, and then have a job, and then you're going to do that job for 50 years. And I think every decade has a certain percentage, and I, I need to research this and find out how many of the naysayers say, I just don't fit in that box, and launch into entrepreneurship, and they just have the best story because those pain points and those the, the difficulty in life, like you talked about from Dr. Peck's book, which is an amazing book, by the way, I read it every year. I, I just think that we find the beauty through all the difficulty. And sometimes we can't see it at first because our emotional mind sets in and we have to let that happen because we're human beings and we feel things and emotion is always in the forefront of our thinking with our frontal lobe, which is 50% of our brain. But I truly believe once we are able to shift to the logical mind, we need these lessons. And sometimes it might take us a little bit of time to step back and reflect. But I believe that success comes from all of our failures. But I don't really think they're failures. I think it's just a road we decide to travel and it didn't work out for whatever reason. And it's all in how you process things and choose to move on. So it sounds like you and Ed made the right decision. So congratulations on that. I want to talk, I want to talk to you because I know Ed comes from a medical world and, and you talk a lot about, um, I don't like the word alternative. I like using the word complementary, but I really love the word allopathic. And I just, you know, my wish, and I, I joked with Ed before we went live, was do we think we'll ever see the two come together? And sadly enough, he said, not in my lifetime. And I don't think I will in my lifetime. But a lot of people are doing their own due diligence. So I'd love to hear your input on this because I know you've helped lots of people and you really have to be your own education, your own advocate with different medical professionals. So what has been your experience on that? And what do you think about the medical world versus the allopathic world? And why can't they work together sometimes? You know, for years, Eddie and I exhibited at A4M conferences and they had three a year, uh, Florida, Chicago, and Vegas. And this is, oh, goodness, ages ago. And A4M stands for the American Academy for Anti-Aging Medicine. And this group of physicians go on for an additional specialty in anti-aging medicine. And this is where we really learn so much about the aging process. I mean, aging is inevitable. I mean, you know, if you're not alive, you're on the other side of the dirt. So most people would prefer to stay alive 
but there are things we can do to better the quality of our years as we age. And a lot of it has to do with what we even do as kids, you know, teenagers, young adults. And with the advent of the Internet, because I did not grow up with computers. I mean, I can remember a day, and it was probably 1978, when Ed walked into my office and brought me an IBM Selectra typewriter. I thought I was hot stuff. I thought, oh, my goodness, it'll never get better than this. <laughs> and look how far we've come in such a short period of time. And kids today are, you know, they're born cable ready. They know exactly, you know, I go to an Apple class and there's little toddlers, two, three years old with an iPad, and I've got to take lessons to figure out what they're doing that I don't know how to do. So the Internet has opened a whole new world of information. Not, not everything that you see on Mrs. Google is absolute truth. And, of course, I always say Mrs. Google because she's so smart. It has to be a woman. But we can do our homework and do your research and because sometimes the prescription drugs are necessary. I call them a necessary evil. But there are so many really wonderful natural botanicals with hard science that can complement what you're doing or you think you need to do with the traditional medicine. And I know you asked Ed, you know, does he think, you know, there will ever be a shift? And the sad truth is, and I'm sure if you're listening to this, you'll probably agree, there is so much money in sickness that I don't see it changing. But we, as individuals, can make better choices. We can look on the Internet to see, well, maybe there are other options. But what most people do not know, in fact, there was an article written, I believe it was by the New York Times, not too long ago, where they actually did a study on some of the supplements that are in some of the major chains, and I can name who they are because it's public information, but it was like GNC and Walgreens and Target and some other companies. And I was not surprised how horrific that study was that what was written on the label was not in the bottle. And even so much as sawdust being uh, detected in their uh, ingredients. And most people don't know that the supplement industry is not really regulated, just like the cosmetic industry has been self-regulated since 1938. But I mean, think about it. Think about the increase in autism in children. Think about the increase in infertility of, of young couples. In fact, the EWG that we've been working with, which is the Environmental Working Group, we've been working with them for over 20 years. And the, the study that they did on newborn babies, and if anyone would love that study, I'd be happy to share it with you. And um, in fact, I think I'm going to put it on, we just launched a new Facebook page 
called Ageless Advocates. And I think after this call tonight, I will put on the uh, the page that study of the Environmental Working Group and the blood cord study they did on newborn babies. But I really believe that if you want to have a better quality of life as you go beyond your 20s and 30s and 50s and 60s and 70s. In fact, Ed and I were just recently this year in Mauritius for a uh, rewards trip for our South African leaders, and we were so honored to be blessed by a monk at his Hindu temple. And Eddie and I are blessed to have, he said, 30 more years of health and prosperity. And I told him, he's the former prime minister of the country, that I'm going to hold him to that. So, yes, with making better choices, you can thrive instead of struggle as you get older. And, you know, we're at the age when we were, you know, we we just look at even Ed's three best friends growing up. One is no longer with us. Uh, another is in a jerry chair, and the other is can barely walk. Ed had to help him up and down a small flight of steps. And here Ed is playing golf three, four, sometimes five times a week. Uh, we travel. Uh, we're extremely active. In fact, uh, One of my doctors said to me recently, because I asked him a question, and he, Sandy, he said, let me tell you a little secret. Can I let you in on a little secret? You're not 21 anymore. And we both laughed. But I feel no different than I was when I was 30 or 40. So really looking forward to the next 30 years and helping others who also would love to live a life of vitality and just feeling and looking great. Well, and I I think that's the whole premise of a quality of life. And, you know, aging is truly a gift, but your body remembers everything that you do and everything that you eat and every time you don't take care of you. And, you know, I'm a big proponent of work-life balance and I, I decided to get rid of the word balance because I think it has such a negative connotation. And I think we should look at work-life integration, good sleep hygiene, a good diet, and, and not a diet meaning that you're missing out on foods that you love. And, you know, what really bothers me with the whole diet industry is cheat days or cheat meals. And, I truly believe if you're craving something that maybe your body needs it, but in moderation, like everything else, when you have whatever that snack may be, just really enjoy it in the moment and and don't give it any psychological deposit. Just have whatever it is, enjoy it, and it's not something that you're going to binge on. And it just saddens me that so many people live that up and down yo-yo diet kind of thing. And and I agree with you. There is a lot of money in sickness. Um, there is a lot of money in pharma. And it's it's interesting to see the migration because you made a really mood point that I want to talk about. And when you were young, when Ed was young, when I was young, we didn't have 
autism. I, I hadn't even heard of that term until the early 90s when I had children and when they started preschool and there were many children in their class with different levels of autism on the autism spectrum. The amount of nut allergies that we have and the amount of attentional deficit disorders we have, all of this stuff has migrated from probably many different sources and I don't think we can point to one and it just saddens me to see the migration of that. And what are some of the things that you think is relatable to seeing all these different um, births of children with all these different ailments now? What, what do you, what's kind of your, your and Ed's take on that? Well, you know, it, it's interesting because we have several friends who have, not just one autistic child, but we have one friend who has two autistic sons. And when when you look at the the food industry and the processed foods, I mean, there'd probably be more nutrition from eating the packaging than what's inside the foods. But we're all time starved. Everybody, you know, doesn't have the time to do, at least that's what they say, uh, what is necessary. So there are choices they could make with the right whole food supplements, um, with the right products. I mean, if you if you look back, and I can't remember, maybe it's five years ago or six years ago, Johnson & Johnson uh, had a class action suit by parents against them for the toxic ingredients in their baby shampoo. Now, you know, my, 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 our sons are, you know, in their early 50s, and that was the only shampoo of choice when they were born. Who knew that the ingredients were so dangerous and so horrific? And the parents won this lawsuit, but the courts gave J&J five years to take out the bad ingredients, yet if you look at that product in Europe and maybe even Canada, it's void of all those harmful chemicals. So it really is up to the parents to make some better choices because the kids don't go to the supermarket and do the shopping. The kids, you know, the little ones, you know, don't go online to check out ingredients and what may or may not be good for them. It's the responsibility of the parents to do their due diligence and make some better choices by doing their homework. Well, I think that is an excellent point. And we are time deprived. We are technology dependent. We've become a drive-through, overscheduled society. And I think parents just have to stop and take a breather and just look for progression and not perfection all the time. And I, I don't remember being as busy as some of the kids that I see now, but I also think we spent a lot more time outside. We didn't have, you know, you joked about technology and the typewriter. I remember the first typewriter that I typed on and I, I thought the same thing, how wonderful. And, and you look at where we've evolved over the last 40 years 
And it just amazes me, but it all comes down to, again, doing your own due diligence, being self-aware. And I also think another valid point is who you surround yourself with. And I know you talk a little bit about this in your chapter, and I'm a big Esther and Jerry Hicks fan as well. So we have a lot of commonality in that. And I also love the book that you talked about, Who Moved My Cheese? And just how change does affect different people in different ways. Have you and Ed, over the years in your entrepreneurship and all the changes, have you evolved and changed the people who you've chose to hang with? And if so, why? Oh, that's a biggie, Deb, a biggie. And yes, uh, what we have come to understand is that negativity just begets more negativity. And if you want to thrive and prosper, um, it's like Jerry and Esther Hicks' book, Ask and It Is Given, and it's it's on our website as a free download at our sandyanded.com website. That book actually changed our lives. And it was funny when someone introduced me to Jerry and Esther, which was probably maybe 24, 25 years ago, when I mentioned it to Ed, thinking, oh, he's never going to go for this. He's going to think this is so woo-woo. He's a man of science. And he so embraced it. And in one of the chapters, Esther talks about um, finding a feeling place where you were the happiest. And with the point we were at in our lives, it was really hard to try to remember a good feeling place. And what was amazing, Eddie and I both chose the same feeling place without even realizing what the other was thinking. But I think surrounding yourself with people who are positive, who look at a glass half full, not half empty, really makes a difference in who you are and who you're continuing to become because we're always growing and you've got to decide, you know, who do you want to be around? People that are uplifting and that you enjoy being with or people who pull you down. It's a choice. And I think that, in fact, I have a book on my desk that was gifted to me uh, by Christine Northrup, uh, New York Times bestseller. She's an OBGYN. Um, medical doc, and her one of her recent books is Goddesses Never Age. But this is not gender-specific. It, it could be male or female. And she goes into, you know, what age you are chronologically. In other words, you are the year you were born. In fact, I have a device where I actually had my biological age tested, which was 22 years younger than my chronological age. So it's all about mind, body, spirit, you know, well-being, and who you surround yourself with either gives you pluses in that emotional bank account or negativity that takes it away. So it again, be aware of conversations, be aware of who you're with and is that your best choice 
for becoming who you know you can be, which is the best version of yourself. Well, I couldn't even add to that. I do want to read something out of your chapter, if you will allow me the privilege. Sure. And this is near the tail end of the chapter, and I love it, and I want to read it to the listeners. And here's what you wrote. If you're stuck and in need of change, this is a blueprint that can lead you to success. Patience. It's not a race. Persistent. Never give up. Personal growth. It's who you become in the process. Positive. You are where your thoughts are. Make sure your thoughts are where you want to be. Passion. Believe in what you are doing. Purpose. What will make your heart sing when you wake up? People. Helping people be all they can be. Life is about choices. It's never too late to live life as it should be. And then I'm a newly certified yoga teacher, and you ended with a Sanskrit proverb, which I just love, and it is, look to this day. Yesterday is already a dream. Tomorrow is only a vision. But each day well lived makes every yesterday a dream of happiness and every tomorrow a vision of hope. And that is so beautiful. And it, believe it or not, out of all the sense-based training, I do remember having that in, in one of our theories and one of our lessons. And just as a segue, you know, I think entrepreneurship is a lot like yoga. Yoga teacher training is 99% theory and 1% learning how to do the poses. And entrepreneurship is parallel to that. It's 99% being out there every day, being in the trenches, strengthening your grit, strengthening your tenacity, becoming a processor of all that is presented to you with a logical mind and not an emotional mind. And the 1% is just looking back like you and Ed have done at the valleys, the peaks, the hills, And now you can kind of have a laugh at that because it didn't define you. It didn't succumb you. It's just part of your sliding door. And I think that's just a really beautiful story because I think entrepreneurs are relatable because there's nothing we haven't seen. There's nothing we haven't tried. And like your analogy, if this door doesn't open, then find another door to slide. And I just think that's just a powerful message that you've given in your chapter and just the passion that you continue to have now to help people that are aging. I think it's beautiful. Well, thank you, Deb, and thank you for all you do. But life is too short not to live every day with joy and with gratitude. And if you're not living a life of joy and gratitude, then fix it because it can be yours for the having. Well, I totally agree. And I think on a daily basis, there's people that cross our path that we need to, to help with that. And that's why people often migrate to leaders. So I want to wish you and Ed continued success and 
Good luck with your new Facebook page, Ageless Advocates. I think you two are are perfect to be leading that new initiative. And is there anything else that you guys have for the second half of 2018 that you wanted to mention? Yes, if if anyone would like to visit that Facebook page, it's facebook.com forward slash Ageless Advocates. We will be posting lots of articles, lots of content that hopefully will enrich your life. And I'm even going to be giving away some samples of some products that have changed our lives from a health perspective. And on our own personal page, which is sandyanded.com, and Sandy is spelled with an I, so it's Sandy and A-N-D-Ed.com, lots of what we use to go from financial devastation and emotional trauma to thriving is on that, face, uh, that, that website to share as a free download. Go and enjoy. In fact, there's something on there uh, which is something that I still use to this day, 30 Days to Rewire Your Brain with Jim Rohn. So that's also a download on there. And, of course, Deb, I want to thank you so much for all that you do for not just the change community, but for everyone who comes within reach of you and the positive influence that you also give. Well, it's my pleasure, and thanks for spending the last uh, half hour with me. And, again, wishing you and Ed all the best, and let's keep in touch. Thank you again. Bye, everybody. My pleasure. Take care. Just an awesome interview with Sandy Cohen from Book 5. We have a few minutes left, and since we've been talking about aging, I just want to leave you with this beautiful poem from Maya Angelou. It's called On Aging. When you see me sitting quietly like a sack upon a shelf, don't think I need your chattering. I'm listening to myself. Hold. Stop. Don't pity me. Hold. Stop your sympathy. Understanding if you got it. Otherwise, I'll do without it. When my bones are stiff and aching and my feet won't climb the stair, I will only ask one favor. Don't bring me my rocking chair. When you see me walking, stumbling, don't study and get it wrong. Because tired don't mean lazy, and every goodbye ain't gone. I'm the same person I was back then. A little less hair, a little less chin. A lot less hugs and much less win. But ain't I lucky, I can still breathe in. Maya Angelou. So I want to thank you for tuning in to the Changebook Radio Show. I hope you've enjoyed this episode with Sandy Cohen from Book 5. And I will be back next week with another co-author. And I just want to wish you all a great week. And thanks again for spending time with me on this Wednesday afternoon. This is Deb Crow, your host of the Changebook Radio Show. Take care. <laughs>